Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today, we're starting on part one of a message. Do you now understand all parables? Do you now understand all parables? And we're going to connect last week with this week where we're going. And we talked about in Mark 4, if you look at Mark 4, chapter 2, we know that he began to teach by the sea and in such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and saying to them in his teaching these things. In verse 10, it said, as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And in verse 11, he told them that to them was given the mysteries of the kingdom, but to those who are outside, they got everything in, in, in parables. In verse 13, it says, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables. So the question was, really, do you now understand all parables? Well, the parable, I was talking to someone, and they were asking, well, suppose you leave someone in the prayer of salvation, and they receive it with joy. And you tell about it, well, praise God, this person they receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That happens uh, in many times that in your private life you might witness to someone at work or a loved one or it could be a crusade, whatever it may be, church service. Is that person saved? Well, I told them, really, I really don't know. I don't know whether they are saved or not because actually the parable, as we study the parable, when you hear the word and, and hear the word and receive with joy, then we know that it can become unfruitful if it's on rocky soil. Is that true? We read it. We read it, and we also read that even if they receive with joy and make it, uh, it's not a bedrock of of rock down there and just light soil where it's going to wither away. It has really deep roots. But it was sown among thorns. We say that that also is going to be unfruitful. The only thing that's fruitful, the only thing that's going to bear fruit, is when this word is received in a good heart. And that's in verse 20. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on a good heart, good soil. They hear the word, accept it, bear fruit some. 30, some 6, or some 100 fold. That's the only time that the word is going to bear fruit. So the person who, who receives the word of salvation, they're going to have to bear fruit according to the word of God. Now, we all like to say, hey, they are saved, or they are healed, or it doesn't matter what the word of God is because it's the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, we can say uh, that the, the person really 
They don't worry anymore. They receive the word on worrying, being careful for nothing in Philippians. And they go away and they received it, but they worry all the time or they're fearful all the time. It has to bear fruit regardless of the word. That was the parable. Now, one thing I didn't tell you, which is uh, I want to just bring to your attention, that when they, when, when they were listening and he said some 30, some 6, or some 100 fold, they were used to a ratio of approximately seed sown to grain harvested about 8 to 1. If it was an exceptional crop, 10 to 1. But he said some 30 times, some 60 times, some 100 times. Unheard of. Unheard of. In, in Luke, it was very interesting because that same one, what happened in, in, in Luke chapter 8 Verse, uh, probably, let's see, in verse 15 of Luke, chapter 8, verse 15, it says, But to see, in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. But he adds something. And hold fast to it, he says. And bear fruit with, what's that word? Patience or, or perseverance. Perseverance. Even in a good heart, you're going to have to hold fast to the word of God. You're going to have to persevere in this thing. So when you hear the word of God, don't just Think that the word of God is just going to grow and grow and grow and you're not going to have any opposition to the word. You're going to have opposition to the word. Any word you hear, if it's the word of God, you're going to have opposition. So you're going to have to hold fast to it. And you're going to have to persevere in it. Now, let's go to the next parable. We're in Mark 4. Verse 21, the next parable is about the lamp. And I brought uh, my desk lamp. Actually, I use it as a desk lamp, but um, it was really not original desk lamp. It was a lamp to go on the lamp stand like that. And let's read it, verse 21. A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed, is it? No. Is it not brought to put on the lampstand? Now let's hold it right there a little bit. Now in Luke 8, now we're going to be sometime in, in, in different parts, but but I'm trying to help you see the different things that are added to the same one in Luke 8, in verse 16. He has a little something to that. Now, the, now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under the bed, but puts it on a lampstand. Now, this is what's added. So that those who 
come in may see the light. What's the purpose of a lamp? What's the purpose of a candle? When the electricity went out back last year, July, somewhere in that neighborhood, the first part of July, the light, uh, the electricity was off for a week in Lynchburg, in most places, some places off for two days or whatever. We had to light candles. What's the purpose of a candle? Do you put candles on in the daytime? Only at night. Why? To see light. And so what I wanted to do uh, is that it's to kind of let's visualize what Jesus was going through. Now, you remember a parable is, is when, when you take a comparison and you put a well-known natural illustration that they knew of and illustrated and laid a spiritual or moral truth right beside it. Now, a lamp or a light or a candle is normal. It was normal back then. And so they knew that because it's just a known object. It's in the household. Everybody's house is going to have some candles or whatever. It's going to have some way to light this thing. So they understood that. You understand it. But then he's going to switch over to the spiritual. And so I brought this lamp, and uh, let's see what it looks like. Uh, will you please? Um, okay, um, can you cut the PowerPoint off for me? Oh, no, just the light part. Just hit the screen. Just knock, knock the screen off for me. Ooh. What's that light I see right there? It's your computer. <laughs> okay there. Somebody else got their computer on, okay? Now it can y'all see me? Are you trying to call me black or something? What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> now if you cut cut a lamp on, you can you can you can see. And it's it's for everybody in the place to see. And this is how it was in in, in our in our um House, we have a little candle everywhere I go in, the, go in the kitchen. I got to take that candle with me. Otherwise, uh, I have to kind of feel my way, know where things are. If somebody puts something in a place that's not supposed to be, I trip over it. That's what, that's what he was visualizing, this lamp. No one cuts this lamp on and then takes something and says, I know what I'll do. I will cover this thing over so that nobody can see. Will you get over this thing, boy? Okay. <laughs> Okay, now see how it starts giving them again. Who in their right mind going to have a candle or have a lamp, put it on the lampstand or put it under the stand, put a bush over it or put it on a bed? Nobody. Thank you so much. Nobody going to do that. And that's what he was illustrating in the natural. But that was just a natural illustration. Remember, it's a parable. So what is he saying here? That's part one to it. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4, verse 22. The second part of it says, For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret but that it would come to light. I said, well, this is interesting because He's now switching over because it doesn't have anything to do with this lamp. He's talking about something hidden 
And you don't, you know, at night, you're not going to do that because you're not trying to look for things. What you're trying to do is bring light to the whole house. So he switched over. What is he talking about here? What has he been talking about? Well, let's give you one, one, one clue. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, it tells us uh, something similar when it says, Under these circumstances, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, he began saying to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's like an actor. They are not what they seem to be. What you see is not the way they really are. And the Pharisees, they were not what they seemed to be. They put on an act like they were all pious and holy and all those type of things, but inside, they were not. So he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Most of the time, when he mentions leaven in the Bible, is in the New Testament, is talking about something bad. So he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Then he says, verse 2, but there is nothing covered up that it will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. That gives us a little clue of what does he mean by this lamp. Then he switches over in verse 22 of Mark chapter 4 about there's nothing hidden. Well, we saw in talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, if, if, if it's... If it's somebody who is pretending to be something or saying something behind closed doors or whatever it is, they're not what they seem to be, it's going to be known sooner or later. It's going to be revealed sooner or later. And if we just go back to the parable of the soul, we know that a person can act like they are Christian. They can be the way Christians are. They can talk like Christians, learn the Christian, you know, jargon and all like that. But we don't know what anyone is because we don't know their heart. So therefore, he says that nothing is hidden except it's going to be revealed. It's going to be revealed sooner or later, either now or later. Later can be when? Judgment day. Judgment day. He says, don't, 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 don't take the, the, the terrors out and it's growing up with the wheat, you know, because you're going to uproot the, uh, the, 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 the good, the wheat. If you try to take the terrors out, leave them. It'll be separated at the end. So there's nothing hidden. You don't have to worry about what somebody is doing, what somebody is pretending to be and all like that. Just go your way and, and don't try to um, judge people. Because we are, not, uh, we are not equipped to judge anybody. We're not equipped to tell what, what somebody is or what somebody is not. It will be revealed sooner or later. Matter of fact, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Sooner or later, something's going to come out. 
Sooner or later, something's going to show up. It's going to happen. It's, it's, it's been that way many times uh, I watched in, 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 in Christianity. I've seen people who come in uh, years ago. We had a person come in, and, and, and everybody thought they were, oh, just so holy, so awesome, 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 gifted and all those type of thing. And you, you just wait. Just wait. And don't, don't try to judge anybody. Don't, don't do anything. Just uh, think the best of everybody. That's what the Word of God says in Corinthians. Think the best of everybody. Because if you get behind closed doors and talk about somebody, it's going to be proclaimed on a housetop sooner or later. Sooner or later. Because God knows all. When the books are open, we're going to be judged by everything done in this body, everything said in this body. Every idle word, every vain word is going to be made account of, isn't it? So he's talking about that. Let's go to the third part of this this parable. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Wait a minute. Now, that's a parable in itself, seems like. If you have ears to hear... All of us have ears to hear. Some, at one place it said, he who has ears, let him hear. Well, unless you're deaf, you're going to have ears, you're going to hear. So what is he talking about? He who have ears. It's, all, it's in Revelations, isn't it? He who has an ear to hear. Right? Hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches. It says it over and over again. So it's all the way through the Bible. What is he talking about? Do we have spiritual discernment? Do we have divine revelation? Do we have what it says in, in, in like Colossians chapter maybe 1, verse 9, 10, and 11? Do we, are we filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual understanding, all spiritual wisdom? Do we have the spiritual wisdom? Sometimes we have wisdom from uh, the, the earthly realm, but do we have this wisdom from above? It says in James. God wants us to have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding because you can't understand some of the things he's saying if the Holy Spirit doesn't give you spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. He doesn't reveal it to you. Another example of that could be uh, the time where uh, Jesus asked them, hey, who do they say I am? Who they say the, the, uh, the, son of, the son of man is? And some say, oh, well, you know, they say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say uh, Jeremiah. And the old prophets of the old. Oh, who do you say I am? So who jumps up and says something? Peter. He said, Peter said, you are the son of the living God. What did Jesus say about him? Oh, something about Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Well, who revealed it to him then? The Holy Spirit is being given to us to guide us into all truth. All truth. We have to have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. That's because we have physical eyes don't mean we really see. Because we have physical ears don't really mean that we hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Because we can hear in the natural. 
That's why the people who were listening to Jesus when he was teaching the parables, they, they were excited about the natural examples and they understood. They understood about the lamp. Everybody got a lamp. Everybody understood about that. But when he switched over and started talking about the other things, there's nothing hidden. Then he lost them. He lost them. And, and it is that way with a, with a lot of parables, you lose a person when you, when you get out of the natural. When you jump over to the spirit realm, you lose them because they're not spiritual discerning. God wants us spiritual discerning. That's what he wants us. Let's go to the next part. It says in verse 24, part 4. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. Take care of what you listen to. Another place, it says, watch how you hear. How you hear. What is he saying? Do do you know that we can all be hearing, but we're not hearing? Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. Be careful what you hear. Because sometimes I know that what I'm listening to is not necessarily the word of God. It's one thing to read a good book, and it's a good book, it's a good book. And, and the Holy Spirit and God can use a good book, can't he? Can use it. He can use a person, can he not? Absolutely. Absolutely. He can use anything he wants to. He can use the, bird. he can use the birds. He can use uh, the weather. He can use anything he wants to to speak to you. He speaks in many, many, many more ways. But let me tell you, if you're not in this word of God, you're going to miss God more times than you're ever going to hit him. Because you're not in the word of God. Because the word of God is what, the, what, what, what God said is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And you have been out in the dark before. You have come home before and the electricity was out. If you don't have a flashlight, if you can't find your candles, you can't find your matches, you're going to stumble around because you don't have any light. And if you're in a strange place, you might fall. That's why he said the blind can't lead the blind. They both fall in the ditch because they can't see. So the word of God, to me, is like we're in a dark world. That's what we're in, like a dark world spiritually. And the only way we're going to see, he says in Psalm 119, 105, that the, that the, that the word of God, your word, O oh Lord, is a, is a what? Lamp to my feet. That means every place, if the lights went out in here, and I try to uh, run up the stairs, run down those stairs down there, you might hear a boom, 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 and that's me, gone, you see? Because I missed a step, I didn't know where they were, and all that kind of stuff, but, but you give me a flashlight. Now I can, I, I shine a flag. I can see every step, and everything is okay. The Word of God, the Word of God. Oh, saints, I'm telling you. Then in verse, the last one, it says, For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever 
does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. And that's, oh my, I'm not saying, oh my, that's a, that's a, he, he lost them. He, he lost them. There's no way in the world. And, and listen at, um, uh, don't, don't turn to, don't turn to it. Listen to this one. It says, so take care how you listen. The other one was what you listen to. Take care how you listen for whatever, for whoever has to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have even what he, come on, what's that word? Thinks he has shall be taken from him. Isn't that the parable we just, going, we just went through with the uh, soil? If they, they can receive the word all they want to. If it's on the wayside, it, it's not going to happen. If it's, if it's on um, a bedrock and, and it's little soil, you can forget it. It's going to wither. If it's sown among thorns, you can forget it. What he thinks he has, what you thought you heard, it says in here that the thorns and the thistles that's going to choke it and it's going to overpower it. You're not going to have it. So what you think you have, it says... It shall be taken away from you. I said, wow. Man, that is truly then, if I understand the parable of the soul, I can understand all parables here. I said, wow. And, and then he, he, he went over, uh, uh, just, just track with me just for two more minutes. It says that about in Matthew 7, it says, don't judge. Why he said don't judge? Do not judge unless you be judged. Because with the same Measure that you judge, you're going to be judged with that same measure. That's what he said. In, 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 in uh, Luke, it says, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. Because with the same measure that you measure, it's going to be measured back to you. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So he says that, hey, be careful how you hear. Be careful what you hear, because sometimes we hear with earplugs on. We really do, because we think we already know that message. We overheard that, and we, we don't like, like it that way. We like it another way. So therefore, he said, be careful what you hear. Be careful how you hear, because with the measure you measure out, it's going to be measured back to you. We'll pick it up at part two, week after next. And I have a guest today, and this guest is from the ministry called Gleaning for the World. And I wanted to bring him here, just like I brought here the young lady, Laurie Mitchell, that was from the ministry... Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center, we want to give you opportunities to walk the word out. We are talking from the book of Mark, Christ the Servant. Let's see how we might be to serve in Gleaning for the World. This is Michael Justice from Gleaning for the World. Let's give him a hand. You may have heard about Gleaning uh, from time to time, usually when a disaster strikes somewhere along the line. We are over in Sam's, Sam's Club, uh, collecting supplies to help those folks out. So that's one of the places you'll see us uh, over at Sam's or at Kroger or, uh, you know, at a, at a Walmart, somewhere like that, trying to collect just different types of supplies to help, help folks in these disaster areas. 
Gleaning for the World is a, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which just simply means if you make a donation, the IRS can write that off uh, as, a, as a tax-free donation. That's really all that, all that means. But, but the greater part of, of all that is you know, like one of the things I really like to talk about is simply the fact that uh, Forbes magazine has ranked Gleaning for the World as the most efficient charity for the last five years. And that really means a lot to us. You think about all the big charities that are out there, and, and the number one charity in the entire country is right here in Central Virginia. And that really means a lot to us. So about 90-something percent of every dollar donated to us goes back out to people who need it. We have a very small overhead, only, I think, 12 full-time people right now. And uh, so we kind of run, run lean and mean, if you will, with regards to, to, to what we do. We use the biblical principle of gleaning, which goes back to the Old Testament, where God told the Jews to leave the corners of the field for those who are poor. Now, sometimes when I'm talk- out talking with people, and I do talk with businesses and churches and just civic groups and places like that, I was down in Danville a couple of years ago uh, speaking to a group of HR people, just business people who, who come by uh, to hear my-, hear my little talk. This lady walks up before before I start talking, and she points at my white shirt. And she says, I I just have one question. How in the world do you guys get ketchup stains out of white shirts? And I thought, what is she talking about? And then it hit me. It's not cleaning for the world. It's gleaning for the world. (laughs) And I knew right then that she didn't have a good biblical perspective of what gleaning was all about. But most of you, most of you folks know, know about gleaning and what, what gleaning is. God told the Jews to leave the corners of the field. And what we try to do then, we, we use that principle with regards to companies, organizations, businesses. We ask them to donate things that are left over. Uh, the, the quality may not be right. Uh, what, whatever it is. And we try to get those to, to folks who need it. And then when disasters happen, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we try to set up in, in different locations around town. And we're trying to spread that out to other cities as well to try to help folks uh, who are in need. And, and we do uh, have, that, have that principle of, of compassionate, reliable help to, to people who, who are in need, no matter what, what their age is, no matter what their race may be, no matter what their cultural background may be. We try to get those products to people uh, who can use it. And so we, we connect with congregations mainly. We are a faith-based organization, and we connect with congregations on the receiving end. And I like that. I like that because we are faith-based. I like it because we connect mainly with churches on, on the other end on the receiving end. Say there's a, a, a disaster. Well, let's just take, for instance, uh, the disaster with uh, Superstorm Sandy or Hurricane Sandy back in October of last year. When that, when that took place, we had four truckloads, tractor-trailer loads of product that we thought that we can get to people, only four. We ended up putting 55 truckloads in the New York, New Jersey area, 55. That's a God thing to me. And we worked with churches. So we, we get these supplies to congregations, and then churches are able to take those supplies and distribute them to, to people, and then they take those, the, the physical things, cleaning supplies, toilet tissues, paper towels, gloves, rakes, whatever it is, give those to people to help them, help them out, and then they work with their spiritual needs. What a great concept. And it really works well for us to be able to, uh, to work with congregations to show these folks uh, really what God is all about. 
What one gentleman told me about our concept, he said, you let the church be the church. I like that. That's the biblical concept of what the church is all about. Helping people with the physical needs and working with their spiritual needs. That's really what it's all about. And so that's what we, that's what we try to do. We try to connect with people who are in need. And we use companies, organizations, and businesses to help us do that. Social groups, schools, clubs, whatever it is that uh, can make some uh, donations monetarily and or with product to collect those things to, uh, to get to people. And we have a little warehouse. It's an 18,000-square-foot warehouse in, in Concord. Uh, so with, with offices and, and the warehouse there, it's 18,000-square-foot. We have an 80,000-square-foot warehouse in Appomattox. Now, it's not ours. It's on loan to us. But we keep trucks lo- truckloads of water up there. We keep uh, you know, blankets. We try to have about... 75 to 100,000 blankets on, on hand in case something happens to get those out to people. Or we give them to, uh, to groups that work with homeless people. They can take them, take them out and give them to homeless people. So those, those are some of the things that we do uh, with, uh, with those companies and volunteers. We have about 1,000 volunteers that come to that little warehouse every year in Concord. Sometimes people will come three or four times a week. We count them as one person. So a 1,000 different individuals come through there, over 10,000 man hours in a year's time. Uh, we use Liberty students. Talk about your, your college kids. We use Liberty students who are required to do 20 hours a semester in their sophomore, junior, and senior years uh, to do their Christian service. We use uh, uh, church groups. We have about 30 different church groups that come on a regular basis. Community service people, if you get a speeding ticket, you can come to our warehouse and and worked it off. And by the way, there's a lot of 45 mile an hour zones up and down 460. If you go buzzing through there and get your speeding ticket, you can come to our warehouse and work it off. Uh, the judge will give you about 25 hours of, of, of community service. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, senior citizen groups, we use a lot of different groups of people uh, to, uh, to help us volunteer uh, there at our warehouse. We, we get these supplies to a lot of different groups of people. It, you know, it comes from an Isaiah. Chapter 6, uh, verse, Lord, here am I. You know what the rest of it says, don't you? Send me. And uh, that's the concept we try, try to get across to folks. There, there are a lot of volunteer opportunities you know, there at Gleaning, and you've seen some of those folks uh, uh, on the screen. We, you know, we, try to, uh, we try to use volunteers in, in, in various different aspects, at our collection sites, at our warehouse, you know, it, out in the community, doing doing special collections uh, for us you know, at a school or a social club or, or at a church, uh, just specific things uh, you know, that, that, you could, uh, that you can collect. You know, obviously, non-perishable-type foods are, are very, very good. Food is really hard to come by in this day and age. It really is. And there's a lot of people that are really, really hurting. The food banks are hurting. Uh, we've gotten a million pounds of food to local food banks uh, in the last three years. Uh, about six weeks ago, we had a truckload, 42,000 pounds of sweet potatoes to come to our warehouse. And we packed those up in 10-pound bags and got them all out to people all in the same day. 42,000 pounds of sweet potatoes delivered, packed up, and, 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 and people received them all uh, in, in the same day. You've seen a couple of kids up there that had stuffed animals. There's something that's really intrinsically valuable about, about stuffed animals. Not only do kids love them, but there's something psychological 
about a kid holding on to a stuffed animal. Uh, you know that uh, that a lot of uh, EMS, fire, police people will keep a couple of stuffed animals in the trunk of their car. And when they run across to a little kid that's hurting, they give that. If you've ever been on a heart floor where, where patients have had open heart surgery, they have those little heart pillows. And they're really cough pillows, but there's something that's very valuable about those people holding on to those heart pillows. So we shipped out about 70,000 stuffed animals last year. We're trying to get 10 10 to 20,000 to Jamaica for a Christmas project, and, and they will ship out sometime in October, whatever we have. I mentioned a little earlier about the uh, blankets. We, you know, we try to get uh, blankets out in various different means, not only to the homeless, but for disaster areas or used for, you know, for piles on the floor, for covering, for, for insulation. When Hurricane Sandy hit in, in October, those, those folks used them for various different means. Even had one lady up there who was taking them and sewing coats out of them. Uh, so they're used for various various types of means. Medical supplies are really, really big. We get medical supplies donated to us from as far away as uh, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, and we, we give up these medical supplies to ship out to people. If you and I would go to the doctor, we would want clean exam gloves. You know, you, you go to the doctor, and they put on exam gloves to examine you. I come in behind you. I, I don't want the same exam gloves that they use to examine you to examine me. Nothing against you. <laughs> I just don't want that. But in some third world countries, what they do is they have to, they have to clean these exam gloves up. And, and the way they clean them up is the first thing they'll do is they put water in them and hold them up. And if they don't leak, they clean them up and repower them and reuse them. So exam gloves are really, really valuable. We try to get as many of those out to as many people as we possibly can. Just a simple little thing like exam glove is something that, that people just don't, uh, don't think about. Shoes, we try to get shoes to a lot of people. Those Crocs, those plastic Crocs are very, very valuable. A lot, a lot of people will try to use two-liter Coke bottles or old tires, and a lot of disease comes up through, through people's feet. And so, so shoes are a really, really, really important thing to, to get out to people. Uh, we have a company here in town that, that bottles liquid soaps and shampoos. Uh, Tritech Industries, I'll just tell you who it is. And very, very uh, good donor to us. If they are, if they are bottling vanilla-scented shampoo, for instance, and they want to switch over to strawberry-scented, they have that mixture in, in their piping system. And uh, from what I understand, they, of course, they can't sell that mixture. So it has to be pure whatever, pure strawberry, pure vanilla, pure lavender, whatever it is. And so as long as that mixture is together, they, they can't sell it. So they pump it over into a 250-gallon tote, and when they get that thing full, they give it to us. We have 100 250-gallon totes right now of soap. It's still soap. It's still shampoo. It's still body wash. It's still good. People can still use it. You send it to third world countries where, where hygiene is not what we have here in our country, and it's very, very valuable. And people need those things. Uh, so that's, that's an example of a company who would normally just get rid of something, who gives it to us, and we're able to give it to people who then therefore could use those, those things. Uh, so that's another example of, of some things that we're doing. One, one of our newest programs where you might be able to help out is a program that we've called WINGS. And it really has, nothing, it has no acronym or anything to it, but it just really talks about freedom, if you will. But there are many, many, many young women who, uh, who, who miss a lot of school and their work about 50 or 60 days a year 
uh, just because of that time of the month, if you will, politely put. And they can't, they can't get out. They, they stay at home. Or if I try to use things, it's unsanitary and it causes disease and or even death. And so we've, we've come up with these little, little kits that they can be used for three years, the reusable. A little sewing is involved. So if you like to sew or know someone who can, we're trying to get 500 of these kits to some of these young girls by the end of the year. So maybe you have somebody in your family or somebody you know or yourself who, who can sew. We work a lot with the uh, Dominican Republic. We have a mobile medical unit in the DR. A lot of people from Haiti, uh, from Haiti come into the, the Dominican Republic uh, to work in the sugarcane fields. I was down there back in November of last year, and the conditions in these sugarcane fields are not good. They are not good. Uh, most of the people coming from Haiti over in the DR are supposed to be there on work visas. They're supposed to go back, but they don't do it. So what does that tell you? If someone's coming from, from Haiti to the DR and they're supposed to go back and they don't go back, what does it tell you about Haiti? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And so we have a mobile medical unit where we're trying to get uh, things up for those folks who, who, are, who are the Haitians that are working the, the sugarcane fields in the DR. As I mentioned earlier, we do a lot with disasters, with, with flooding and tornadoes and hurricanes and wildfires. And the local derecho last summer, uh, uh, you mentioned that a little earlier, we put you know, a lot of water and things like that here in the area where people can have, have things to drink. So, so a, lot of these, a lot of these things are, are things that you, know, you, can, you can help with. Uh, you can do a, a church-wide drive for personal care items or paper products and just focus on one thing or you can you can uh obviously you can pray <laughs> that's the number one thing you can do there are there are a lot of people out there that are hurting for a lot of number of reasons uh, you can uh you can uh, help us organize something with uh maybe another social group you can refer me to another group i go out and speak like this all the time to people just like you who, who, have, who have started working with us to help us raise supplies and support for those who are in need. And what this does, it gets your congregation involved. You know, it gets you involved. Lord, here am I, send me. You know, God told us to fulfill the Great Commission in our generation. And, and that's a part of it. You can be, you can be involved. And, and, and for the most part, I have found that people, they really want to help. They really do. People like helping other people. Uh, and so, uh, you know, your congregation can, can, can get the reputation of, of being supportive. Uh, and uh, it's, that's a good thing as well, is to have that, have that reputation of, of being supportive, of fulfilling that great commission in our generation. I have some literature that's out on the table. I put out, uh, I don't know, 15 or 20 different type bifold business cards and some of our... Uh, some of our um, uh, 2012 annual reports, if you like to pick up all that, which explains in detail all these programs that, that, that I've discussed. Or if you have questions for me, by all means, I would love to entertain uh, those uh, afterward and, and just see what I can do to, you know, to get you involved with what uh, we're doing and what you can do to help out to, to help those people who, who are in need. So thank you very much for your attention. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you.
Now you may think, so what did that have to do with the message that I taught uh, on the lamp? Um, but the word of God, he, like in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it we were created for good works beforehand that we should walk in it. And God wants us doing things. And so as, as we've been praying, that's one of the things that God has uh, put on my heart is that you need more opportunities for the congregation to get involved with doing the works of ministry. It's one thing sitting and hearing the word, and it's another thing going out being the word out in the community. And that wherever you live, whether it's uh, Barefoot, Amherst, Madison Heights, Lynchburg, wherever it is, be light, be salt where you are. And we're giving you another opportunity uh, to get involved with doing something. They need help of us out there uh, to, the, to the plant, and they had workers there. And one lady was, was working at her station uh, doing things, and uh, there's another station. I think it was just, um, they had these Band-Aids. You were talking about the Band-Aids, that they get rows and rows of these Band-Aids, and they have to separate them and put them in packs. But someone has to separate that because they get them in, in bulk. And um, uh, just to come out to volunteer for an hour uh, once a week, uh, they, they can put you to work because you're doing the work of the ministry in Lynchburg, Virginia, in your community. Get involved. So that's what we're doing. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.